Welcome to Subscribing to Wellness, the show where Rachel Newman and myself, Daniel Fairman, sit down with leading founders, executives, and investors committed to building a healthier future for consumers. Hey, this is Caroline from the Subscribing to Wellness team. I work on content and I couldn't be more excited to share with you all my incredible experience with Inside Tracker. Inside Tracker is exactly what it says it is. It's a way to get a snapshot into what's happening inside your body from a blood biomarker perspective. I'm obsessed with Inside Tracker because without access to your own biomarkers, it's impossible to have that pulse check on how you're actually doing health-wise, how to improve for the sake of your health today and 20 years into the future, and if your current style of living is actually working for you. The first time I did Inside Tracker, they helped me realize I had elevated creatine kinase, a marker of excess muscle inflammation due to overtraining, and low ferritin, a marker of your iron stores. By using their action-oriented educational portal, I was able to get both of these markers back into the green by changing my exercise routine and taking a liquid iron supplement. My energy levels and performance in the gym are so much better now, and I couldn't be more pumped about it. If you want to try Inside Tracker out for yourself, you can use my code by visiting insidetracker.com slash sub2wellness to get 20% off. That's insidetracker.com slash sub2wellness. I can't wait to hear what you think. Today on Subscribing to Wellness, we are joined by David and Eric Johnson of Genexa. Genexa is the world's first and only clean medicine company reimagining the -the over-the-counter drug aisle for kids. Genexa was awarded Fast Company's number one most innovative company in wellness and raised $60 million from top investors, including Monogram Capital Partners, a few years back. Welcome to Subscribing to Wellness, guys. How are you? Good. How are you? Thank you so much for joining. Um, you know, I've, I just heard uh, about the award you guys got from Fast Company, one of the most innovative companies in the wellness space. So congrats on that. Um, and then obviously have been following you guys really closely since, since 2021 when you guys raised a, a record-breaking Series A for the, for the pharmaceutical industry, bringing in $60 million with a great suite of investors. So I'm really excited to have you both. Um, but would love to open it up to either of you, both of you, just to learn a little bit more about your background kind of before starting Genexa um, and what got you interested in this pharmaceutical industry. Yeah. Um, so I guess, you know, Daniel, first of all, thanks for having us. We're, we're excited to be here. And, um, you know, I guess let me let me start by opening up that that Arik and I are brothers. So, you know, a lot of a lot of background and upbringing uh, before we got into our our career life was was really kind of nuts and seeds. And, um, you know, growing up in household that that kind of put health first. And I think I think for us, it was kind of understanding, um, you know, why we we weren't, you know, getting Cokes, but we were drinking Hanson spritzers um, <laughs> and we weren't getting gushers, but we were getting, you know, dried cherries. And uh, it kind of led us to really head down a path of 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 understanding that that healthy for you slash clean, clean sector. And I I think kind of one thing led to the next and. I have a background in in culinary. Um, I'm going to speak for Art because I'm answering this question, but you know he he's got a background in finance. Uh, spent some time um, in in fund accounting out, out in LA, um, and I can let him elaborate on that. But you know, for us, it was kind of 
there was such a shift in 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 food and beverage and and makeup uh and you know everything moving towards clean and it was kind of like an aha moment of you have this OTC sector that's you know a hundred billion dollar plus category with nothing changing and it was kind of a sea of of white space and kind of open for for the taking but but as dads it was very important to us to to try to rid that category of a lot of the unhealthy inactive ingredients that that are used today and so are you kind of just I mean, there's examples of companies that have kind of scaled already kind of on that clean ingredient um, communication. Honest Company, for example, you know, prides itself on on clean ingredient. Were you guys kind of looking at labels in various industries? And, you, you know, you you started to look at Advil and Tylenol that you were giving to, to, to your kids for colds and headaches. And, and you kind of just realized that it was one that really hadn't been touched or what kind of led you behind that kind of clean ingredient trend into OTC medicine specifically? Yeah. So I think, I think overall um, it was dads. um, It was growing up knowing ingredients and then obviously just the consumer trend of, of understanding ingredients. And, you know, for, for me, it was, why is titanium dioxide? Why are dyes that you know are 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 effectively um, causing you know risk of hyperactivity in children? Artificial sweeteners. Why why is all this stuff used? And then really, Daniel, when you dive into it and you understand that it's ninety to ninety five percent of of all of these products, it's like an aha moment, right? Because you're taking these products for the efficacy side, right? We all take you know a Tylenol, we all take an Advil, you know, whether we have a headache or, or pain to reduce that. And when you realize that the, the, the drug side of that is such a small percentage and everything else is just filler and taste and binders and, and, and things like that, um, you know, and completely unpronounceable, I think it, it, it makes you realize that this category was right for the taking. And at the time that we started, you know, in terms of entrepreneurial spirit, like you got to really find that niche, um, and and what, what, what hasn't been capitalized on yet, but really a space again, coming from more medical parents and really understanding, um, what, what, what's around and what's not available kind of just completely drove us in the direction of, of if something could be done, let's go do it. Yep. Um, Daniel, just to kind of add on there too, I, I, I believe our passion for, you know, is based off of the way that we were raised. And when you look back there and you kind of, we were already in the grocery stores looking for the cleaner items. We were already in the habit of reading labels. I think finding the OTC medicine category specifically was a little, um, was, was a little lucky, you know, and you do kind of need luck every once in a while. So I I think for us, it's, it's a category that was definitely ripe for disruption. You know, um, although we've kind of both had our entrepreneurial, um, ballots, you know, before Genexa, I think for the most part, we just found a category that really, really needed some disruption um, and kind of just started eating away at it. And, and we are where we are today. Yeah, I love it. And and just going back to your point, David, on, um, you know, you were doing all this discovery of the ingredients within um, Advil and these other, you know, classic um, medicines that we've commonly taken our entire lives. Like, why you know you 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 kind of hinted at why 
um, these companies are taking kind of shortcuts with ingredients and fillers. Could you just fill our listeners in on kind of like why this is the case? I suspect it has something to do with cost and margin, but um, would love to hear it from the experts. Yeah, so I think it I think it has a lot to do with cost and margin. I think it also has a lot to do with it's the way that it's in, done for you know however many years the those those bigger companies have been around. Um, and I think with all categories and with all with all business ideas, you kind of need that that entrepreneurial spirit to to kind of lead the way and someone that had no experience in it before um, penetrating it and really trying to figure it out. I can tell you that if Arik and I had any experience in this prior to, we wouldn't be in it, right? It was kind of the willpower and and the purpose that was driving us to really make a difference. Um, you know, getting more into the the ingredient side. So Genexa, you know, really focuses on removing uh, the majority of, of allergens, right? So 93% of, of medicines um, contain uh, or may contain at least one potential allergen. And as we continue to, you know, grow as as people in, in society, uh, things get added um, into our everyday lives and everyday environment, that the more you can reduce those type of intakes, um, the better. So, you know, we focus on removing the titanium dioxide and we would remove things like propylene glycol. And in exchange for propylene glycol, we would use a, a natural citrus extract uh, from a preservative standpoint. So, you know, you still have to make sure that the product is shelf stable and 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 stays around, but the the overall the overall you know drive for us was removing a lot of these artificial sweeteners, artificial fillers, dyes, and just synthetics that just aren't necessary. Yeah, I'll also say just you know that was really what was important for us was making them cleaner. But if you look at the category as a whole, like if you look at OTC. You know, the 40 or 50 years before Genexa came to be, innovation in the category was based off of flavor, was based off of form, was maybe based off of a bottle size, um, maybe an RX to OTC switch. It wasn't really driven by clean. And there was a lot of companies before us, like you mentioned, that did this in other categories that kind of gave us the um, the momentum and, and, and the luck to kind of make sure that this did happen with medicine. Yeah, 100%. And so... The industry, especially OTC, is pretty heavily dominated, from my understanding, by Johnson and Johnson um, and GlaxoSmithKline as well. What are kind of, I guess, the keys for you guys, you know, to disrupt them? What are the biggest challenges? What are the barriers that you kind of need to overcome to really take market share um, from these two giants? Obviously, Unit Economics, I imagine. You know, you you can't really at, at the beginning be you know in parity on price point to the products that they're selling due to kind of more of a premium input cost that you you probably have to do with your products. But what are the if if you know if you had to center around a few things you're really trying to overcome over the next few years to start really taking share? What what are you guys focused on? Well, the the consumer has to be absolutely first. Um, and I think that that's where the other pharmaceutical companies have gotten a little lost um, over the years, you know, with, with with dialing it down, with private label becoming more and more popular. You know, I think they've really looked at trying to get, deliver the best price and maybe sometimes not the best product and not the best consumer experience. So where Genex is going to win, you know, and get 
3% market share, 4% market share, you know, these, these small wins in these massive categories do a ton for the business in general. And if we can just keep that consumer first mindset going, I believe that there's a long runway before we have to start kind of competing at price and doing some of the other tactics, like you mentioned. Got it. And so I, from my understanding, the last thing I saw publicly was that you guys are now in over 45,000 retailers, Walmart, uh, CVS, Whole Foods, Rite Aid, Walgreens, Target, Kirk, list goes on. Um, can you talk about kind of the in-store strategy to really try to, you know, stand out versus some of these um, behemoths? And I guess just from personal experience, like I'll be honest, when I go to CVS and when I go to Walgreens, I really am looking for something pretty specific and. I don't necessarily find myself trialing brands in that kind of retailer very commonly. I'm not saying that it's not done. I'm sure there's, you know, that's just my personal perspective, but does that dynamic make it particularly challenging to kind of get the velocities that you need to get um, to kind of win in a drug channel? And, and is that kind of a, a really, you know, focused channel for you guys? Or do you find that, you know, you need to also really be in, in kind of these other retailers where kind of shopper discovery um, is more of a common kind of mindset for, for the end consumer. Yeah, I, I think it's a great question. Um, Fantastic question. It's kind of it's kind of what every brand asks themselves as they grow, Daniel. So um, my two cents kind of goes back to your last question and, and Arik is 100% right, right? It's it's you focus on your, on your consumer um, first and foremost um, and you, you bring them into the brand as an ambassador, right? This is what we're, what Genex is doing is what the consumer wants. Um, the consumer doesn't want to take products that have artificial uh, ingredients in it and 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 it, and is looking for that already. Right now, in terms of the shelf, um, Genexa focuses heavily on the pediatric community. Right, so we focus heavily on detailing the pediatric community, and through the pediatric community we get to a lot more consumers than having to focus on what's happening at shelf. At shelf, we focus more on kind of the overall brand awareness, right? So, you know, driving people to the store, but really we we focus on kind of that, that you know, door-to-door, -door, um, you know, attention to detail when it comes to, to the pediatrician. So overall, what we see is through that pediatric community, then through the growth of the, the mom and the dad, um, as the child grows, you kind of capitalize that cradle to, to grave strategy of, of OTC, right? So, you know, there's, there's a, there's a, there's an infant consumer, then there's the pediatric consumer, then there's, you know, us, and then, you know, the elder consumer that that's really looking, it's, it's a stage cycle when it comes to OTC, as opposed to some of the other categories. So really kind of building that out. And as Ari pointed out, I mean, this, this category is massive. And as you name some of the big players, I mean, these are huge companies um, that, you know, from a market cap perspective are bigger than, than most others. Right. So, you know, it's, 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 a, it is about competition. And, and what we, what we do is very simply, we show the consumer that our product has the same efficacy as theirs, but does not have all these other unpronounceable ingredients that, that you don't want to take. Um, and that's, it's education, right? And that's, that's, that's all part of building a brand and, you know, hitting on the right creative and, and, and really kind of telling the consumer that they finally have an option to, to choose clean. Yep. I think, I think you, uh, 
you hit the nail on the head there. That makes a ton of sense. And one other thing I found really interesting about you guys is, and I can sum it up in a few words, we give enough. Um, you, you guys went early on TV. Uh, and I would say in other categories within consumer, you know, food and beverage, beauty, you know, for the first few years, it's, it's pretty common to stick to digital and, you know, influencers and, and kind of build that way. Um, but then again, when I'm watching nearly any channel on TV, I'm seeing pharma commercials all the time. So it seems like that's kind of where consumers are often used to seeing uh, medicine related ads. Could you talk a little bit about kind of the decision to go out with a TV campaign relatively early in the life stage of the business? Um, and I guess from that point, the the general kind of way you guys think about marketing the brand strategically. Another great question. Um, uh, this is uh, this is good. Um, you know, the TV campaign, Daniel. You're you're right on, right? A lot of a lot of a lot of drug um, commercials are done. You know, not not through any other vertical but TV. Um, it's consumers are usually you know in bed um, when they're watching when they're sick, right? Um, the, the mom is, is very much interested in what's at the dad, dad and mom are very much interested in what's going on in TV. And it's, it's where all of the, com the competition is, is, is focused. I think also, as you brought up earlier, the drug, the, the drug class of trade is, is, is driven through TV, right? So not just drugs, but the, the trade CVS, Walgreens, you know, Walmart and other Rite Aid, et cetera, they, they really see a return on purchase when you spend on TV, right? So it's, it's, it's not, it's not a D to C model, right? It's, it's really about driving that consumer who you have, you know, a couple seconds to grab their attention through TV, TV also, you know, as we're a, a growing brand um, and a reputable, you know, drug now in the space, you know, TV kind of helps in terms of um, letting the consumer know that, that, that you're a real, you know, you're a real, company when it comes to drug on shelf and it's um it's something that 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 reaches by far more people than you could ever pay for in any other vertical of media right so um but overall i would say outside of the tv which you know that's the global awareness piece that 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 we drive um a lot of the other things that you mentioned in terms of influencers and, and, and the pediatric communities and, and just communities in general, uh, kind of the, the, you know, the ground, the groundswell, you know, if, if, if you, if you want to call it, you know, the, the ground groups that, that, that go out there and really, you know, get into, um, a lot of the, the, the community, right. And, 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 and the pediatric community, is is really how we drive kind of movement um and you know people kind of getting behind the brand right i think yeah. i think something that we've realized daniel that's been quite remarkable is just how affected individuals are in this space and how much they really want a brand that's speaking to them not you know not a not a bigger faceless type of group that you know doesn't really speak to them but is is more interested in you know, potentially scare tactics in other ways instead of really connecting with the consumer. Yeah, I think it's a super interesting answer. I find, I mean, 
it takes a long time for most companies to get to 45,000 doors. It's just a different model than kind of food and beverage or beauty. Um, but I guess if you're in 45,000 doors and you've built kind of the the distribution and the, the share of shelf, then a, then a TV ad is, is probably a very applicable fit. Um, whereas these other brands who, you know, who are barely in a thousand stores, it's, you know, they're not going to be able to capitalize on the awareness um, that a big TVC brings. The other thing I find interesting is when you look at supplement brands and vitamin brands, they're very, they feel very DTC heavy from the get-go. But then when you turn it from like being sick to getting better and, and it goes to like drugs and OTC, then it feels like it all transitions to TVC much quicker, which I just think the dynamic is interesting because it's a similar kind of product. It's just different use cases um but not it's also yeah it's also once a year right you know when you think about how many times you i mean tylenol maybe you buy on a monthly basis but when you think about when you're buying a cough cold item you know you hope to only have you know a a cold or flu one time a year so you're really trying to build a consumer that values efficacy um and that like you said when they go into the store they already know about your brand because if they're there and they're sick, they're going to go with what they know and they trust and they bought year after year. So um, it, it's an interesting, it's an interesting battle. And in so many of the things, the dynamics that you just went through, we kind of had to learn as well because we're the first ones to disrupt the OTC space. And so mm-hmm. there really was no pathway for success. I mean, we thought that, you know, Whole Foods and, you know, that'd be great. But then when as much as Whole Foods is, Whole Foods is a place for people to learn about products, CVS and Walgreens are the place where you go when you're sick to buy the product. So um, it's, it's really, it's, it's changing consumer buying habits. It's building that efficacy brand. Um, And it's also, you know, as David just mentioned, it's, it's being there for these consumers and for their families when they need products, because uh, that's kind of been lost. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. And I think also one barrier that you guys remove and, and then just a few more questions here is just, you know, 90% of these pharma commercials require a prescription, right? With what they're advertising. There's very few that advertise on TV, but then also don't require the prescription. So it's extremely accessible. So I feel like the fact that that barrier is removed and there's not many companies that have that barrier removed that are advertising the manner that you guys are is actually a pretty big competitive advantage. Um, And then another question I would have is just like, is there a B2B play here in terms of kind of medical practices, partnering with, you kind of mentioned pediatric communities. Um, is there a B2B play here where you can kind of get the medical community and, you know, doctors kind of behind the idea of recommending to take Genexa over Tylenol and Advil when they discharge a patient um, kind of from their practice? Yeah, I think it's a, I think it's a next step. Um, and it's, it's happening. It's happening already. Like you, like you mentioned on, at the pediatric level, uh, there's, you know, well over 45,000 pediatric offices in the, in the country. Right. So there's a lot of detailing that needs to happen there, um, to, to get, to get product to consumers. Um, but I will tell you, Daniel, we've been approached by large hospital groups. Um, we've been, you know, right now we're supporting, uh, health Canada, um, with, with their hospital groups, because there's a significant shortage in Canada when it comes to, um, children's over-the-counter medicines. Um, so we've been approved by them to support those hospital groups on a B2B level. And, you know, it's something that, that we'll continue to, to explore. I think for right now, you, you know, as you hit on with other questions, you know, it's really about 
building that brand, building that consumer, starting to continue to 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 grab market share, um, and you know be be that leader for clean across across the whole sector of OTC. Got it. Um, last kind of question, and thank you so much for the insightful answers. It's really it's really interesting to hear you guys talk about kind of the strategy and what you've learned since the early days. Um, just going back to one of my earliest comments, which was about the Series A, very, very well capitalized. Um, it is an expensive industry to disrupt. And, you know, you can't initially be on shelf um, at parity at some of these behemoths. And so you need capital to kind of grow distribution and, and build the business. But could you just talk about when you were considering partners um, for this disruptive idea to bring along the way on the cap table? How did you go about landing on who you landed on? And can you just talk a bit more just high level about like what that process was like? Yeah, you know, it's um it's it's an interesting process. You talk you talk to a lot of people. Um but I think at the end of the day, Daniel, um we're people that would love to still be operating on a handshake. And I think when you start with uh who you are as a person. The investor, uh, at the end of the day, has to has to be um, in line with that, right? I'll tell you that there's there's nobody um, besides myself, Max, and Arik that will will push harder for the success of Genexa and for the disruption of this industry. And if you you know as you go through that process of raising a significant amount of capital. You're gonna have up and downs, right? You're gonna hit, you're gonna hit big, big bumps in the road, and and you're gonna also, you know, just completely, you know, beat numbers and 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 not and not hit numbers. And I think I think if you can align with the right investor uh, on day one, and and ask the tough questions, and also just recognize who they are as a person, I'll tell you, you know, Jared is a is an incredible, he's an incredible guy. Um, and he's, he's, he's real, he's direct, but, uh, at the end of the day, he recognizes that, you know, we're all, we're all in this together and, uh, we're all, we're all making a difference together. Right. And that's, that's key, um, in, in the process. I I'll say, you know, in terms of, in terms of the capital, um, it is a big industry and, and we're, we're not anywhere close to where we want to be. We got a lot of a lot of disruption ahead of us. A lot of a lot of things that we got to take care of. But you know, we're building um, we're building a clean category in in drug, and we're doing it one drug at a time. And and making drugs uh, that are clean is also not not cheap, right? So there's a heavy R and D uh, exposure. You want to continue to 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 spend on the marketing side. You want to continue to grow an elite team. Um, and then you just want operational efficiencies to, to really improve. Right. So, you know, it's, you're never going to hit the right number. You're going to make assumptions along the way, but I think it's, it's twofold. It's, it's really realizing what you need the capital for. And then, and then just, just really aligning, um, with the right investor. Yeah. Jared and I mean, Jared and Monogram are incredible investors. Um, I think we had him on here, like maybe a year and a half ago. Um, but I'll definitely have to make sure he sees this one. He'll enjoy it. Um, last question we asked all of our guests is just how they subscribe to wellness. So what are a few things that you guys are focused on, on a weekly basis outside of Genexa, um, that empower you guys to, to continue living personally healthy lives? 
It's a good question. Well, let me start by saying I wish I could do a lot more, right? The entrepreneur lifestyle doesn't always doesn't always allow for it. Um, but you know, meditation, um, long long walks with with my wife and and family. Um, try to work out at least five days a week in the morning, uh, and then really just kind of eating again what what should go into into the body instead of um instead of what shouldn't right so really being careful about about everything we eat and uh and and just trying to you know focus the the good energy on the on the happy things in in your life right so that that, that for me is definitely my my wife and my two kids yeah i think you have to i mean i think family is is absolutely that your your support network i think is is absolutely vital um to make sure and it's, it's i'm lucky enough to be able to work with my brother and and although sometimes we you know we 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 both feel the stress together of work we also can do it together and then that that kind of helps in, in supporting one another and then um you know having having my family at home i have a six-month-old boy so it's um it's been awesome being able to kind of you know go through this with him and going home to him and then I, you gotta, you gotta eat well, you gotta eat well, you gotta feed, feed the body um, with nourishment and, and you gotta just take care of it. So you gotta be, you gotta be, you gotta be doing exercise. Um, absolutely important, you know, and I think all those things together, it's not just one, it's all those things together really lead to mindfulness and, and allow you to, to really be as effective as you can in business. Awesome answers. Um, where could our listeners learn a little more about Trinexa? So, you know, the best, the best place obviously is, is at genexa.com. Um, but you know, there's, there's, there's a lot of retailers carrying our products. There's a lot of retailers that we're supporting right now as products are not available, um, from, from some of the, the bigger competitors and, um, you know, they can always reach out to us, the, our phone numbers on the side of, of every package. We, we respond within 24 hours, uh, Max or I, We'll, we'll hop on a call and um, that's who we are, right? So we're customer first and there's no, no, no other pharmaceutical company in this, in this world that, that, that responds like that. So, you know, it's, uh, it's important to us to hear from our consumers. Awesome. Well, thank you both for joining today. Awesome conversation and best of luck with the rest of 2023. Thanks, Thanks. Daniel. Best of luck to you as well. Hey listeners, I just wanted to quickly mention my favorite hydration supplement element. Hydration is a crucial part of life and it isn't just about drinking water. Being optimally hydrated is actually about optimizing your body's fluid ratios. This fluid balance depends on many factors, including the intake and excretion of electrolytes. Electrolytes are charged minerals that conduct electricity to power your nervous system. They also regulate hydration status by balancing fluids inside and outside your cells. Current science points to consuming four to six grams of sodium, three to 0.5 to five grams of potassium, and 400 to 600 milligrams of magnesium per day from diet and supplements for optimal health outcomes. It can be hard to consume these ranges from whole food diets, especially sodium. Element was formulated with a science-backed electrolyte ratio, 1,000 milligrams of sodium, 200 milligrams of potassium, and 60 milligrams of magnesium. Just as important as what is put in Element is what is left out dodgy ingredients, and public health enemy number one, sugar. I've been consuming the product for about a year and absolutely love it. And if you want to get started today, you should go to drinkelement.com slash subscribe into wellness for a special introductory deal on your first order. That's drinkelement, 
lmnt.com slash subscribing to wellness. You won't regret it. Thanks everyone for listening to today's episode. Feel free to rate, review, and share the podcast. And of course, don't forget to subscribe to wellness. If you'd like to sponsor us, please see the supporter link in our podcast bio. We hope everyone has a great rest of week filled with wellness and we'll see you next time.